Welcome to this episode of Real Christianity. My name is Dale Partridge, where each week I offer 15 to 20 minute answers to tough theological and pastoral questions. This is a 100% listener-supported audio ministry of relearn.org. And for those who don't know, our mission at relearn.org is to educate and equip ordinary Christians to plant biblical, confessional, and missional house churches. For more information, just visit relearn.org forward slash house. Welcome to Real Christianity. I'm your host, Dale Partridge. If you're new here, welcome. I have just returned from a 10-week sabbatical, and I'm ready to uh, reinvest into both of our ministries, relearn.org and our house church planting school at reformationseminary.com. As many of you know, you can find the show notes uh, for these episodes on our ministry's website at relearn.org. Now, I was hoping to launch the new format for our show here uh, this week, but we've decided to um, film and record some more episodes in advance before we make them public, pushing back our our, uh, launch date. Uh, That said, I am excited for you to be a part of what we're going to do here on the Real Christianity Podcast, and I'll give you a little hint. Um, I'm going to be sharing and showing several disciplines, tools, and resources for you to faithfully study your own Bible. Uh, and I expect these episodes are going to come out midsummer. But uh, you know, our hope uh, at, at our ministry and my hope for you is that you know how not to just hear people preach and 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 believe what other people have told you about the Bible, but that you will learn to go into the scriptures and extract the truth properly and extract the truth within context, within historical, cultural view, within uh, theological and doctrinal parameters. We want you to learn how to do that, and we're going to create a new format for the show that'll help you do that, as well as hearing some of uh, my preaching and and my exposition process uh, for preparing sermons and for, uh, you know, coming up with these Bible teachings that I do for you every week. Uh, As for today, I just wanted to simply answer a question uh, that was submitted by a young lady. She asks, uh, should a pastor's sole occupation be ministry? That is, should his entire income come from the church and its members? Uh, Or should pastors be bivocational, working a secular job and serving the church in addition? Uh, I think this is a really good question. And the Bible doesn't give an exact answer on this topic, but it does give some really great principles. Um, I'm going to open up with something that John Piper said when he was talking about uh, in a video about salaries and pastors and what this should look like. And he made a good quote. He said, churches should not try to keep their pastors poor and should not want to make them rich. In other words, you know, one principle at the top of this whole thing is that churches need to really look at creating a sustainable, faithful, biblical way of looking at finances for pastoral uh, leadership, for other people that are serving the church. In other words, you don't want to force a pastor who is serving uh, in an eldership role, in a preaching role, uh, you know, and he's serving you uh, weekend and week out and studying and preparing and counseling and offering his services, 
and then force him to also pick up the night shift so that he can pay his bills and feed his family. Uh, we'll talk about some scripture that uh, represents that concept as well. Um, you know, a lot of people say, hey, you know, uh, Paul, Paul was bivocational, right? You know, he was, he was out there tent making and he was out there, you know, earning everything that he possibly could on his own so that he didn't want to be a burden to any of the churches that he planted. A couple of things I want to say to that. One is that Paul is um, an apostle and Paul also is a missionary. Um, he's not a pastor. He never calls himself a pastor. He never calls himself an elder. Uh, he calls himself an evangelist. He calls himself an apostle. He calls himself a teacher, uh, but he doesn't call himself an elder of a church. And so the scriptures that are talking about um, pastors being paid are scriptures that Paul writes uh, as instructions to local churches on how they should operate the principles of of compensating those elders that have been appointed uh, to um, leadership, preaching, pulpit ministry in the church. And so, um, you know, I want to have this discussion just first in the context of the local church. Again, I'm all about pastors being paid for their spiritual labor. Um, you know, and, and actually, let me go back just for a second, because I want to make a point before I say this. Paul wasn't bivocational. Paul was, as Piper would say, uh, like he was one vocational. <laughs> Essentially, he was not taking hardly any money, if any money, arguably, from the local churches. He would receive some gifts that came, but he was not um, expecting any money to come from the local church, and he worked very diligently. We'll read a few scriptures that talk about that, that uh, to, to make sure that he wasn't a burden and wasn't taking anything, he was earning his own way completely and fully. He was one vocational, and in terms of the way he was making his money, and then he was serving and laboring. He also wasn't married. He also didn't have any children, so he could work as a tent maker and as a uh, missionary at the same time without compromising anyone except himself and his own needs and the Lord would take care of him in those principles. So again, Paul's example is a bit different than his instructions for local pastors. So I think that's an important contextual element to uh, to look at. And again, now in context in the local church, I'm all about pastors being paid for their spiritual labor by those, again, who directly benefit from their spiritual work. Um, you know, studying, writing, preaching, counseling, serving, these are all costly, like time-expensive activities, and a pastor needs to be compensated. And um, I, I do have some concerns about salaried pastors where you have fixed incomes. Um, I think that uh, a church should be ready and eager to give to the pastor and supporting the ministry of the church. And um, that income might be not fixed, but variable. And as the church gives, the pastor can uh, be compensated a reasonable wage uh, for the geographic, economic climate that he lives in. Um, and for example, you know, I think that, um, you know, a, a pastor, a good process for evaluating this should be maybe that 
a pastor should make an hourly rate that's comparable to any other average profession in their congregation in their uh, local area. So if an electrician is making 60 bucks an hour, the pastor shouldn't be making less when he serves the church at an hourly rate uh, and sh- serves the congregations. If you're going to pay the guy to come and install your dishwasher, but you're not willing to pay the guy that's going to come and do marriage counseling, there's something wrong uh, there at that process. Because to say that you'd pay those people, but not the pastor is basically to imply that electrical work or dishwasher installation is more important than spiritual work, which we all know is not the case. Um, so um, those are just a couple of, of things that I'm thinking about. The problem with salaried pastors um, is that you end up becoming, um, I, I guess, uh, trusting less on the Lord to provide each month and forces the pastor sometimes to trust more in the institution. Um, again, it, it's not a sinful thing. I just think it's something that we need to be careful about. Another thing is that salaried pastors, um, you know, there's an Upton Sinclair quote that I'm going to kind of twist and use in a different uh, perspective. But um, it goes something like this. My version is, it's difficult for a pastor to preach something when his salary depends on him not preaching it. And so when there's tough things to say, but you don't want to say them because you might offend the people who are paying your salary, you get into a little bit of a conundrum where, um, you know, Paul had that freedom. Well, you know, if you are bivocational by conviction, you have that freedom again to be a little bit more bold. Um, and not have that fear. I think every pastor should be willing and bold to say the truth regardless of the circumstances. But the truth is it often happens where pastors aren't speaking the truth because they don't want to offend the person in the church uh, who is um, paying their a big chunk of their salary. Um, and and that's, that's a real issue that many pastors struggle with. Um, and so... Uh, just let's let's look at some scripture that supports paying the pastor, and then let's look at Paul's example, and then I'll kind of wrap it up with just some thoughts. But you know, First Timothy five seventeen through eighteen it says, "Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching." So, especially those who are laboring there. And he uses his, he grounds his argument in an Old Testament scripture. He says, "For the scripture says, quote, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and." quote, the laborer deserves his wages or the laborer is worthy of his wages. The idea of muzzling an ox is that you uh, prevent the ox from eating while it's working. And the Bible says, don't do that. And Paul asked the question, is, is God concerned with the ox right now? No, he's talking about, he's talking about the pastor, right? He's talking about the man um, who, you know, and so I, I just go, we don't want to ever stunt the work of the pastor by not contributing to the needs of his home while we're completely willing to uh, contribute to the needs of all the other professions that we subscribe to and partake of. And the second thing he says is the laborer is worthy of his wages. So I, I believe that if you're laboring, spiritually laboring in prayer and study, you have a appointed position in the church or you're a missionary or you're a Bible teacher and you're weekly sacrificing time 
I believe that that it's worthy of wages. Now, does it mean that you demand it? No, I don't think that's the case. But you do have a right, according to Scripture, um, to receive. Um, and I, I would say that those who are receiving um, without contributing to the needs of these individuals in these roles are actually robbing the kingdom of God. Um, now, there are some instances where they are, again, maybe ignorant to that or too young in their faith to understand the concept, but, but the majority of us will gladly receive um, and, and not return support. Um, and we do this all the time. Um, we do this at churches. We do this with you know, the ministries that we listen to on the internet. We do this with what I try to do as even a pastor myself is I try to um, I contribute to Desiring God, and I contribute to Heart Cry Ministries with Paul Washer. Um, not major amounts, but but I partake of their content, and I'm encouraged by their ministries, and I want to support what they're doing. And I think it's important as Christians that we do so uh, with our local church first, uh, but then secondly, with these uh, su- supplemental ministries that we listen to throughout the week or that we support, um, read their books or, or consume their content, or just want to um, support their missionary work or their Bible teaching work um, that's going on in the world. Galatians 6.6 6 says, One who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. Uh, this is another passage. 1 Corinthians 9, 9 through 14 uh, Paul says, uh, again, for it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Uh, he asked the question. Um, he says, is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not speak entirely for our sake? This is a rhetorical question. Uh, it was written for our sake, he says, because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher should thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. If we have sown spiritual things, Paul says, among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim onto you, like the electrician or like the uh, dishwasher installer, do we not even the more? Nevertheless, Paul says, we, him and his group, have not made use of this right. But we endure anything rather than to put an obstacle in the way of the gospel. So he chose to not endure that, to take on that right to receive income or compensation uh, because he didn't want them to think for any reason that he was planting the church for or preaching the gospel for monetary gain. But his example is different than the instruction that he gives in scripture. Um, And so... Uh, you know, I'll give you a couple more scriptures and then we'll close it out here. First Thessalonians 3, 7 through 10. Um, Paul says, For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. Paul's saying, hey, we should work as Christians. This isn't to pastors. This isn't to contradict himself. He says, But with toil and labor we worked night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. Um, this is a, a verse that's about Christian ability to work. Um, he ends this. He says, "It was not because uh, it is not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For we have been, or for for even when we were with you, we would give you this command: If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat." 
So this isn't a command telling pastors that they need to work another job too. This is saying, don't be lazy. If you're a lazy person, you're not going to eat. Um, even Paul was offering that example. And so, but now Paul does receive, you know, he's received some gifts from the Philippians. Um, he received, uh, you know, some gifts, a, a love offering. We don't know exactly what it is, but some support in some capacity. Um, basically, you know, we just need to be looking at this as, as missionaries are often, um, uh, can, can, you know, maybe offer the bivocational opportunity a little bit more. Pastors of bigger churches, I think it's more difficult to be bivocational. I think, you know, I'm a house church pastor and planter, and I am bivocational. So relearn.org is my laboring ministry. Um, we, we also have a rental property that my wife and I manage, and um, and so we, we have some other income that comes on there, um, and we produce podcasts and courses and, and sell books and some of those things that are there. But to our local church, our local church, which is, you know, a handful of families, like less than 10 families, they do support us in some capacity. Um, and it's individualized, and we do make a small income from our local church. Um, and But we are bivocational. And I think house church pastors in general will find themselves... Uh, having to be bivocational because a church with only 10 to 15 families might not be able to support fully one to two elders um, in a church at a full-time capacity, depending on where you live. But I think that's fine um, because a house church with only 10 to 12 families is not 50, 60 hours of work. You can really do your preaching and studying and meet the needs of the church that's that small, usually within, you know, 15 to 30 hours a week. And so I think it works itself out in that capacity there. But again, I don't want to project and present a certain rule that pastors should all be bivocational um, or that they should be one vocational. I think these principles are just important. And we do need to be um, careful on how much we do offer pastors as salaries. Again, I think that if a pastor should be able to look in the congregation and find out what the median income of a congregation and live a life that is essentially modest and comparable to the average member in their church. Um, and so what's what, what you might have in Mexico is going to be very different than what you have in New York City and very different from what you're going to have in a small town in Ohio. And so I think we just need to have principles that guide us there. Um, and again, I'm a big fan of a bivocational house church planting and pastoring ministry, but in the traditional church, I don't think that works out as effectively. Um, I think missionaries uh, offer missionary work and missionary life offer a great opportunity for bivocational ministry too. I think it's great to have that opportunity to serve and refuse, or not refuse, I should say, is that not take on the right to be paid, um, as a way to show the, the, um, genuine, um, I guess, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the sincerity of your motivation. It's not motivated to get money from somebody. It's motivated to get the gospel out. And if asking for payment in some capacity or even teaching on money would imply that, you have an interest in being paid 
um, more than you have in the gospel being preached, then I think it's worthy to say, I, I don't want the money. It's not about the money. It's about the gospel. So hopefully those are some good um, general principles in answering that question uh, for you. Uh, we're going to close up this show today and excited. We're going to have a couple episodes in between that are just going to be short little shows as we get prepared for this new format. Um, if you guys are regular listeners to the Real Christianity Podcast, thank you so much. If you guys haven't left a review, you guys can just go to the podcast app. You don't even need to write anything. You just tap the stars. But if you do write it, uh, write something, write a review, I will read it. And I really do appreciate those things. Also, um, if you guys are interested in um, planting a biblical house church, go ahead and check out our ministry at reformationseminary.com. We are always enrolling for the next class and next group of men who are going to be planting those uh, those churches. Uh, on that note, guys, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Real Christianity. My name is Dale Partridge, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Christianity. If you're a regular listener to this show, would you prayerfully consider making a donation to support our ministry efforts? Simply visit relearn.org forward slash donate. Again, that's relearn.org forward slash donate. And for those looking to explore the idea of joining or planting a church in your home, you can download our free PDF ebook titled The Basics of Biblical House Church by visiting relearn.org forward slash house. Lastly, do you have a theological question you would like answered on the show? Submit your question at relearn.org forward slash question. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Real Christianity. We will see you next Wednesday.